Welcome to the Craft of Memory. I'm your host, Ronald Johnson. On this show, we seek to recover this beautiful art. For memory without conscious design is like an uncatalogued library. We believe this is a skill that anyone could learn. And the question is, will you seek to hone this craft? You are now listening to episode six. I had the honor of speaking with Andrea Muzzi. He is one of the greatest memory athletes and he is ranked number one in the world. Think the Michael Jordan of memory sports. And without further ado, let us get into the episode and hope you all enjoy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into memory sports? Yeah, so I'm uh, Andrea Muzzi. I am uh, currently 22 years old and I'm into memory sports since uh, 2017, but actually in competition since 2019 because I started just to help me studying in 2017, but then I got into to memory sports and I started competing in 2019. And in the same year, um, I won the IAM World Memory Championship. So, so how is memory sports going in Italy? Um, I noticed that you recently formed an Italian memory team. How is that going? Yeah, it's it's going really well. It's growing uh, because so in when I started, I was almost the only one competing in uh, international level and like in Italian. Uh, competitions we were like 10 Italians so uh, real bad but I'm trying to to promote the community memory sports with the social media and so on so it's growing I as I said I also I'm also forming a team we are currently uh, 12 uh, so it's pretty good and I am really happy about that uh, because something that I were missing about memory sports was the community in Italy and I looked at uh, uh, countries like Mongolia with big teams, uh, really like inspiring. And so I decided to, to slowly replicate this thing in Italy. Obviously, it requires a lot of time, probably years, but it's going well. I like it. I'm, I'm having fun into training them. And it's also rewarding because some of them are becoming pretty strong in just a few months. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I think you're you're doing an excellent job. I recently watched one of the matches with um, Emanuele, yeah, Emanuele yeah. Regnani. Yeah, um, so he went against Mohamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy because like Mohamed was stronger, so we all thought that he was not going to win, but he won, and so now he is qualified for the European Open of this weekend. So it's cool because this time I'm not the only Italian uh, in the 16 top top 16 and there's also him so really happy about that he's against simon in the oh eight, yeah yeah but <laughs> but it's already pretty good yeah yeah so so he definitely uh made uh good progress so yeah, sure. i think and he uh, started just in february so on, not even one year of training he can already do sub 30 in 80 digits so yeah oh wow that's good so um let's let's talk a little bit about um memory competitions so yeah. you mentioned in an interview with the Egyptian memory team that numbers is one of the most important disciplines to train in. Um, so my question for you is, 
is why is training numbers so important? And what advice would you give those who want to increase their speed? Yeah, so when I say that, I am referring to the classical format. So not, not memory league. So I, I like treat these two differently. You can't like, you have to train specifically for a memory league competition or a classical format because they are really different. They are a lot more different that, than people think. And so when I say that numbers is the most important, I refer to classical format uh, because five out of 10 disciplines, so half, so a lot, are number-based because we have five-minute numbers, the long one, uh, binary, dates, and spoken, which are also number-based. So if you become strong in number, you become strong in five events. Instead, like, okay, cards is the second one because you improve in two events, but like names, words, and images, you improve just in one event. So obviously, you also train your memory, your visualization, and uh, ability to use locations. So obviously, also, if you train like in images, you slightly improve on the other events, but for numbers, is this is a lot more true, and um, and yeah, so that's why I think also because there's a lot more like margin to improve uh, because you have system obviously in in words uh, you can also improve a lot, but you will never like you are not able to have perfect images all the time because you have to create them instead with numbers. The more you train, the more your images become familiar and so on. Uh, so even when you are stronger, there's still a lot of work to do in numbers. Still for me, I think there are still a lot of work for me to do and to improve in numbers, less maybe in words and images. And so, yeah, for this reason and for the fact that five of the 10 out of the 10 dis disciplines are number-based, I think it's the most important um, event to train. And when I train people, uh, I put all the time in the weekly schedules, uh, a lot of numbers events for that reason. So do you primarily do speed drills or is it just a matter of a lot of practice with the um, different um, number disciplines? So um, speed drills are really useful and I suggest to use speed drills a lot, but mainly when you start. Uh, because when you have your system already like consolidated speed reels are a lot less useful you can still still do some of them here and there uh, but like from a certain level on i think they are a lot less useful so but, but they are super useful when you have a new system or maybe like you built uh, three digits and you have been using three digits just for two months you still need a lot of speed reels because that's the fastest way to keep the images going and because when you start with a new system, the hard thing is not about remembering the images, it's about converting the numbers or cards into images. So speed reads is the fastest way to make this process faster. And so, uh, especially when somebody has just started, I, I suggest to do a lot of speed reads. Mm. Good stuff. All right, so um, next question. What advice would you give for improving one's speed in the images discipline on Memory League? So first of all, uh, you should use locations uh, because some people uh, do not use locations, but I think that especially for Memory League images is necessary because you have 30 images. For IEM, I also suggest to use locations, but it's less important because you have rows, so you can just create a link with the first four. And so, so yeah, so first, create locations. Second, uh, not not to vocalize 
So if you like see a dog, don't think about the word dog in your mind because this will slow you. So just go with the image and just try to go faster because in images, a lot of people, I, I think, go slower than they can actually do. Because if you do not vocalize, just use the power of images and create strong links. Uh, this can help a lot. You, you can go faster. And also here and there, you can also use links between uh, locations, which can be helpful in avoiding swapping images and swapping locations. And what are some, what are some of the common mistakes when creating associations and images in this discipline, in your opinion? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a hard question. So I think that a real big mistake is not taking into account the precise uh, directionality. So like if you, if you see just two images collapsing, they are on the same level, but you always want to obviously remember the, the order because you, you can see by uh, like the stream in Memory League that a lot of mistakes are just swapping images. And this happens when you do not have a preci precise like direction. Uh, so there obviously depends on the images, but you always want to have a, something really specific that the first image does to the second one, not on the same level. Hmm. Okay, so making sure that we have a precise movement and a very clear direction. Yeah, exactly. In your opinion, how often should a memory athlete create memory palaces? How do you maintain and rotate your memory palaces? Okay, so um, I think that it obviously depends on how many locations you have. If you already have a lot, it's not necessary to create new ones. But yeah, so first of all, we need to understand um, what we are trying to achieve. So if we just want to compete in memory league competitions, we require less locations. If we want to compete in classical format, especially international and world memory championship format, so with our disciplines and so on, you need a lot more locations. So first of all, you need to make an esteem about how many locations you need, uh, and then you will try to achieve that. Um, if you ha have to create a lot of them, probably one, one palace every two days, and then you want to use this new palace as soon as possible. So you create that, you use it the, the same day, and then you use the next day and possibly also a few days after. Uh, because when you create that, it's really weak. But then if you train a lot with that palace, it becomes stronger. And the, the second thing is that, uh, that that's really hard to do that. And also, uh, I, I, did, I do not do that every time, but you should uh, wait before using the same palace. You, you should wait to, to use all of the other one. Uh, so let's say I have uh, 20 uh, journeys for cards. Uh, I don't want to use always the same four. You should use uh, all, the, all the 20 palaces and then you start again. Uh, because we tend to use uh, always the, like our favorite one because they are, they are better. But then by doing that, uh, the weakest one become like still be weak. So do you have palaces dedicated to certain disciplines? Like these are 20 palaces for cards. These are 20 palaces for words and so on. How does, yeah, how does uh, that I look do. like? I have, a, I have a specific journeys for all the disciplines. 
uh, which is also something that I suggest. So would you say that 20 is a good number to have for um, each? It really depends, again, because like if you do 30 minutes cards and you are really strong, it, it's not enough because also you want the ones for speed cards and so on. So it really depends. Obviously, um, you need more for numbers, a lot more, and like for words and images, a lot less. But obviously, it also depends on your level because the stronger you are, the more locations you need. So this is something that changes with time. I think that's good because it also helps avoid having ghost images. Yeah, which is really bad. Yeah, it's something you, you want to avoid as much as possible. And it's not too hard to avoid that. You, you just need to have a lot of locations, which obviously requires time. But the good thing is that once you have them, you have them. So obviously you want to keep using them, but you, you make the effort once and then it's almost done. I know that you use the PAO system. And um, in your opinion, what are some common mistakes when creating a PAO system? Yeah, so first of all, I use PAO for cards, not for numbers. For numbers, I use three digits. And uh, so the, the main mistakes uh, uh, is about actions. Uh, so I see that a lot of people use actions that you can do also without an object, which is not good. So for example, singing. You do not sing to an object or with, with an object. Like if you say the action eating, obviously you eat an object. So the object is necessary to achieve that action. So you always want to have actions that requires an object to be achieved. Uh, because that's PAO. But a lot of people, like um, moonwalking, which is obviously moonwalking with Einstein, the, the title of the book, but, but moonwalking is not a good action because you do not do that with an object. Like you can say, okay, I am holding the object, uh, but it has nothing to do uh, with, uh, with the action. So also like levitating, uh, this is not a good one. Instead, eating, lifting, always uh, to, to have the object into the action. So that's the main thing. And another one for the objects uh, is that you want to have, uh, uh, if not small object, uh, at least uh, really defined. So like um, a theater, uh, a pool, these are not good objects because you can't do actions with there, with this object, with them in a location. So also the objects should be really like physical and uh, that you can hold. Mm. So this already these two things uh, will make a PAO a lot better than a, a standard one. Mm. That's good. So um, we have to be careful about choose, choosing our actions and also... Yeah careful about choosing our objects. So let's let's talk a little bit about PAO for numbers. For those who want to use PAO for, for numbers, um, would you recommend that the action, that the person, action, and object follow the same phonetic rules? So you can do uh, both things. So you can create the PAO by following the uh, major system both for P, A, and O, or you can either create the person following the major system. So like you pick the, the person like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then you create the action and the object based on the person. I think it's slightly better to follow uh, the major system for all of them. So you have uh, the person that is 
not, not linked to the action and not linked to the object uh, because it's uh, a little bit easier to get used to that. So I think it's a little bit better. It's uh, because it's faster to get used to that, but it, it is a little bit harder to create the system. So the, the advantage of doing the, the first thing is that it's faster to get used to it. The advantage of doing the one in which it's not all based on the major system, it's that it's uh, a little bit easier to create the system and to, to find a lot of action and objects. So you want to choose which one, which thing you prefer. Mm. Okay. So how do you prepare yourself mentally before entering into a training session? Do you have a special routine? Okay, so for training, not so much because I'm really used to that. I have routines for, for competition, uh, but for training, I'm just really used to that. So I just sit and start training. Maybe if I feel not so focused, I do some deep breath and I like write down uh, thoughts that are in my mind so that I like kind of clear my mind and be I'm, I'm able to focus more, but nothing too special for, for training because I'm really used to that. Do you, do you also turn off your, your phone or try to avoid yeah, any sure. distraction? Yeah, yeah. I always uh, like put away my phone and try to do uh, training, not, not, not to be interrupted. So also I think that a good training session, let's say one hour and a half, should not have more than two breaks. If you do breaks every 10 minutes, uh, it's not too effective. It's like uh, with the physical sports, uh, like obviously you need to rest, but if you like do series and wait uh, 10 minutes between them, it's not as effective as if you just um, stop for one minute. So I, I think that uh, you also need to train stamina. And so you even if you are tired, you need to, try to train also when you're tired uh, because this will improve your stamina. And also if you, if you are able to train well and achieve good results when you are tired, then when you are rested, you can do a lot more. Hmm. That's good. And, and how long do you uh, usually train on average? So it really depends if there are upcoming competitions, uh, usually about one hour or one hour and a half every day, not days off. Uh, but if there's a competition close, a really important one in which I have a specific goal, I will train two or three hours. Like like if like it's world championship or I want to do the best score or world records and so on, about three hours. Mm. Maybe for the like month before the competition and then back to one hour, one hour and a half. And do you um, divide that? Do you split that up throughout the day? So for example, one hour in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, and then one hour at night, or is it just three hours um, in the afternoon or the morning? So if I train three hours, I do two, ses two sessions, one in the morning of about one hour and the other one in the afternoon of two hours or like one hour and a half, one hour and a half. If I train one hour or one hour and a half, I do just one session all in once. Okay. Also for, for the same principle that we were talking about before. And what advice would you give to memory coaches? In your opinion, what does good coaching look like? So uh, the main thing is that you want to have a, a precise path to follow. So like creating weekly schedule and uh, that 
so that the people that you are coaching knows exactly what to do. Oh, not just for the system and for the strategies and so on, but also for the training. It's really important to, to talk both about the systems, strategies, images, links, and so on, and also how to train, when to train, how much, which events, also to uh, track the progress. That's really important to keep track also of the mistakes that somebody does so that you can like adjust based on that. So to be really systematic, precise, and to uh, also be um, conscious about small things and details, because if you, if you focus on a lot of things, uh, small things, important things, you can achieve a lot more. So if you, let's say you, you improve on like 2% on a small part of your training, 2% here, 2% allocations, 2% on your mood, 2% of your mindset, 2% on the quality of your images and so on. Like by summing up all of these things, uh, you will have a much higher results. And I learned that from like um, a trainer in, uh, I think, cycling they it's there's are a rule i don't know how it's called in english but it's when you the same thing that i said so if you focus on small improvements in a lot of aspects of your training so they did that with the cycling team uh really small things details but they did a lot of them and so but uh, following the years it happened that this was really effective and they won a lot of competitions so i try to apply the same principle into memory sports Mm. That's good advice. So um, let's say a person misses a training session or a couple of, of training mm -hmm. sessions for the week. Are you um, looking at their schedule? And so if a person misses, um, what, what would you do at that point? Is it more Are you like strict saying, hey, you have to do this? <laughs> uh, or is it more, what, what does that exactly look like? So yeah, I, I, am, I am quite straight, but it also like, it really depends. I try to understand with the, the person how much they can train, when, and what to do if they miss something. So the goal is to avoid that situation and to, to put the, the person into the condition of being able to follow the the schedule and to avoid that so if sometimes it happens that you miss the training it's okay because the the uh the goal is in the long term so if you miss something just in a week it's okay but if you do that every time that's not good because obviously in the long run this will make a difference so obviously yeah i, I mean i am straight but i have a vision in the long term and so when you see a long vision one training is not a problem obviously you, you want to to also motivate the people and to try to to understand if they really want to do that why they want to train and so on so also work on the motivational aspect to avoid and to, to make the person want to train so if they want to train they are motivated they like it uh, i avoid this problem hmm. so um it's understanding the person's schedule yeah how much free time they have exactly and then yeah. building so, a, a schedule around that yeah yeah every every schedule that i create is different from person to person because um both to work on the weaknesses and to work based on their schedule so it's always different so i recently watched your in the day of the life video mm -hmm. on youtube 
And you mentioned that you get at least eight hours of sleep a day. In your opinion, why is sleep so important for a memory athlete? So I, I think that's probably the most important thing for mental sports. And I mean, this comes from neuroscience uh, because it like if you don't sleep well, uh, you both do not consolidate the information of the past day. So maybe like you worked on your system, on your locations and so on. If you sleep well, you like make stick these things into the long-term memory. And so obviously this is important, even though memory sports is short-term memory, still when you train, there's a lot of long-term memory that occurs. Um, and also because you feel a lot more refreshed and sharper. So, and also uh, because if, if you know that, if you know that sleep is important, if you do not sleep very well, uh, this will affect your performance also because you know that you did not sleep very well. So maybe you are not tired, but you feel like you should be tired and so on. So how, how can one improve their sleep? Uh, there are a lot of things to, to do, uh, a lot of habits. Uh, so like avoiding caffeine uh, before like six to nine hours before and uh, also try to, to uh, like follow the same schedule. So almost the same. I, I know it's not so easy, but it's better to try to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time. Uh, do not have lights in your room, so maybe wear a mask. Uh, no noises also. Uh, it's lower, like, not slower, <laughs> a lower temperature. Uh, there are a lo lot of small things that you can do. Also, uh, the light of your phone. Uh, so it's a lot better, like 30 minutes before to, to read, or at least also two hours before to uh, enable the blue light of your phone, because this will wake you up. And so, yeah, if you try to follow all of these things, also the quality improves because it's obviously not important just the quantity of the sleep, but also the, the quality. You were recently, not recently, um, you were interviewed on Muschio Selvaggio. And um, just, just to put this in perspective for my American listeners, um, so one of the hosts in this podcast is Fedez, he's a, a well-known Italian rapper, yeah. and he is the husband of Chiara Ferragni, who is a, a, a fashion designer and model. Um, and the, the podcast or the, the YouTube channel has almost a million uh, subscribers. So this was um, a big deal. It was. Yeah, it was. Um, so, so, so my question for you is, can you... Can you briefly share with us your experience and um, how, how was it? And did you receive a lot of, of messages afterwards? I know this was a lot of exposure um, that you gave to uh, memory sports and the art of memory. So how was that? Yeah, so it was definitely a big deal because it's, uh, this podcast is really popular. And so, yeah, I received a lot of exposure and I uh, tried both during the, the podcast and later to talk about the positive aspects of memory sports, uh, try to debunk some myth uh, like the, that you have to be a genius to do memory sports and so on. So that's always my, my, my main goal. And so I'm, I was really happy because like uh, the majority of the people uh, in this podcast are like a lot more popular than me. So I, I was happy that something uh, that is like smaller, like memory sports, was also featuring to that. 
And so I try to to use that to create advantage both for for me and for memory sports in general. So I was really happy about that. And um, if you could give one piece of advice to memory athletes, what would it be? So the main one would be to uh, do not set yourself any limit uh, because you can achieve a lot more than you you think it's possible. So that like also when I started, I thought that the things that I saw other memory athletes to do was were impossible. But then I so like slowly starting to, to do them and to maybe beat them. So if you start with that mindset, you have a big advantage. So never like think that you cannot achieve certain level uh, because it may be the case that you, you can. So don't, don't set yourself any limit and also go faster than you think it's possible. So when you first started out, um, who were who were some of your inspirations? Was it like Alex Mullen? Who did you? Look yeah. So the, the the top three is uh, Alex, Johannes, and Simon. Mm. And at at that point, when you when you first started, you said uh, that you thought it would be very very difficult to reach their their level. I thought it was actually impossible for me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, because w- when you start and you see the scores of the top athletes it's just too like the difference is just too big so you think it's it's not possible and you think that you you need to have some specific like special gift uh, like maybe you have but uh, the thing is that the abilities that you need to have to become a great memory athletes uh, are really subtle so uh you, you don't discover them in your life like the main thing is the ability to visualize well and to be creative. But these things, like maybe you are really good at that, but you don't know that because you never try to do these specific things of visualizing, visualizing and create associations and so on. So you may be a lot stronger than you think. And this was like actually the case for me. Mm, that's good. Uh, so, so listeners... If you're feeling discouraged, saying, oh, I could never memorize like Andrea Muzzi, (laughs) or I could never memorize like Alex Molin or Katie Kermode, even Andrea himself thought it was impossible. Uh, But look at him now. He's he's now uh, ranked number one in the world. So there definitely is 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 hope. And as he mentioned, the key is is hard work. It's discipline. It's patience and um, so, yeah. Uh, So before we close, is there anything that you would like to share uh, to our listeners? Um, Any other advice or any other or the words that you would like to share? Um, I think we we said the most important thing. Also, you just said that uh, patience and uh, dedication and hard work. Is, the, is really important and that's the, just the things that I wanted to say. So yeah, you, you need to be patient to see, like to, to have goals on the long run and on in the short run, like because it may feel demotivating to see uh, like top athletes achieving uh, like 10 times more than you can. But so, so you want to, to have both short-term goals day by day, week by week, and also like a plan over the, the long run. So always like, set yourself goals to to keep being motivated and to keep training and yeah 
Mm, good stuff. So how can we follow you? Do you have any social media accounts? Yeah, so uh, the main two that I use are uh, YouTube and Instagram. So just my name and surname. I also have a blog and a, a website, but they are in Italian. Also, like the YouTube one is in Italian, but uh, yeah, just Andrea Musi on the different social medias. And uh, for, for the blog, um, there's also the translation feature for, I believe, Google Chrome. So yeah, if, you're, if you don't read or speak Italian, I would still encourage you all to check out the blog and uh, yeah, sure. use the translation feature. Um, well, or maybe was... in the future I will have an English one. Let's see. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So it was uh, definitely a pleasure speaking with you. Um, it's an honor. Um, you thanks. are one of my inspirations. So uh, thanks. thanks. And uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thanks, I was happy to be there. See you. <laughs>